Okay, welcome back to the United Podcast, the podcast that made United Supporters Club here in Australia. And Larry, I was looking forward to the start of football in 2022, <clears> thinking <throat> it would be something different for Man United. But my God, can we go back to the start of 2021? And I'll happily relive that if I'm going to have to be dished up at every weekend um, this year. That was tough, tough viewing, mate. Uh, well, if we go back to the start of 2021, United were sitting pretty top of the league. Sure, the, the crowd yeah, wasn't yeah. in there, but uh, I think there were a lot less frowns going around. Um, it, it's sombre viewing at the moment, isn't it? So happy new year to everyone who's in here. But bloody hell, United didn't want to send us on a cheer. Well, we will go through. There are a few people in the chat, so we'll just get to them to say good evening. Um, if you are in the chat, please do leave a like on the video. That will probably cheer us up a little bit. A mad good mate of ours. Evening, lads and fellow viewers. Make sure to get behind the boys and subscribe. Thank you, mate. Truly appreciate that. Vin, good mate of ours as well. Good evening and let's get through this together. It's going to be hard. We'll, we'll see how we go. Um, obviously, a lot of talking points and not the talking points you really do want to be going through. Jamie over in Northern Ireland. Hope you're well, mate. Morning, guys. That was a hard watch. Our rebuild need, needs a rebuild. I think that's part of the discussion. Um, what rebuild is this, Larry? Is this rebuild four or five? And I think we're about two or three rebuilds away from where we want to be. But George as well, good evening, guys. Didn't think we'd seen Jones ever again, which we'll get in the field, Jones, let alone in contention for a point. We'll hook in the 3 2 once for a point. I think he's on a shoe in for all three points when I, you go through it, everything. Uh, Matt here from the Supporters Club. Good day, mate. And Wes, always good to see you, mate. But Larry, where do we want to start? Actually, we'll start on Phil Jones. We'll just bring him up here. It's the only positive, so we might as well start on it. We've given him criticism, and I think maybe unfairly so at times, and he hasn't deserved the criticism. He hasn't been making mistakes on the pitch. We've sort of criticised sort of little things that are com completely out of our control and out of his control, but we've all joked about his return. We said, oh, would we ever get into the situation where he's going to have to play, and what would that mean? How bad will he be? How will he cost us a goal sort of thing? You have to just take your hat off to him, give him credit. One, on the human level, say that it was good to see him back out there fit doing what he does, but also on the balance of play, he performed well, especially compared to the other players. And in those three, two, ones, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, I think he was probably the best player on the pitch or for, from Man United's point of view, obviously. I got a different view on the best player on the pitch part, but I thought he was solid. I think this is what we just need to be careful of as a fan base. I'm happy for him. I thought he was absolutely solid. He did okay. He didn't do anything wrong, but I didn't think he did anything fantastic either. Um, and in fact, I thought there are moments where, and again, I'm nitpicking here. I thought he, there were moments where he could have done better to shut down some shots. Um, Daniel Potence comes to mind a fair few times looking at the game again. Um, but in saying that he did nothing wrong. Um, but when you I look at a Harry Maguire performance over the past year and the, the other people on the field, like you do have to look at it. He's been out for two years and what he's delivered. I, I agree with you, Tom, but, but to my point, that I've just made. Harry Maguire, we're saying Phil Jones is better than Harry Maguire. Well, Harry Maguire's been poor. I'm saying if 10 out of 10 is up here, let's not call Phil Jones 10 out of 10. Let's say he was a 6 out of 10. Which was the, the best the on the day. Were 4 out of 10. That's on the day, the he was the best. On the day, though, he was that 6 out of 10 and the rest of the team was a 4. So on the day, which is what I'm saying, he was our best player. Now, there, there could be an argument with David De Gea, a few good saves here and I there. Thought Varane, I, I thought Varane yeah. was the best player. Oh, I thought both of them, as a pair, defended quite well. And that's not to say that we're going to be sitting here in two months' time and say our central defensive partnership should be Phil Jones and Rafael Varane. Of course, that's not <laughs> the case. But in an isolation... And look, 10 years ago, they were the two hottest prospects in European football for defenders. Uh, we went to Phil Jones instead of Rafael Varane. Varane went from, I think it was Lons to Real Madrid. So um, it is funny how... 
a decade later, they're lining up on the same team in sort of very unique circumstances. But I think he just needs a lot of credit because he has been given sort of, one, a lot of criticism, especially from us as well. But obviously the over-the-top, the, the abuse that he's copped, the, the abuse that his family's copped, it was good to see him back out there and performing well. There'll be a few more in the chat before we move on. Elliot, good to see you, mate. Hope you're keeping well. And um, where do you want to start, Larry? Do you, do you just want to start on Wolves before we sort of dissect United and throw them completely under the bus? Because Wolves are a little bit, we, we said, are they our bogey team? I said, well, not really a bogey team. We sort of have a decent little record against them. But they almost just feel like they're just that one team that have something over you. Like certain styles make fights sort of thing in fights. I remember like, if you're watching MMA, a wrestler against a striker, seven or eight times out of ten, the wrestler's going to win. It's just the way it goes. Um, they, they suit up quite well against that technique. I'm just thinking there's something about Wolves. I don't know if it's the type of players they have or the way they're coached or just something about them. They just suit to play against United. They always look dangerous. This reminded me, not as dominated as the Manchester City game a couple of weeks ago, but it very much reminded me of Athletic Bilbao back in 2012 when we were back in the Europa League, when Ferguson, um, in his second last season in 2012, went to the Europa League and Bilbao absolutely played us off the park in both legs, but especially Old Trafford. Ander Herrera was in that midfield. What would I give for Ander Herrera to be back in our midfield now? But just your thoughts on Wolves. We'll obviously get into Ruben Neves in a little bit. Um, they have our number, unfortunately. You touched on it there, and... I think that's it. I think they were just tactically better than United. Um, now, as much as I like Ralph Rennick, um, and we will inevitably talk about the coach um, as this video goes on, but the the appeal of Ralph Rennick was the tactical nous. We said, what do these players need? It was the first time where a manager's been sacked and we're saying, actually, we don't actually believe it's down to the players. We believe that this coach or this manager isn't getting the best out of the players. We need a bit more um, tactical awareness for the side. Today, United got done, outdone tactically. I thought the, the Wolves man, I, I butcher his name, so I'm not even going to bother. But uh, I just He's thought they set up perfectly. They set up perfectly, Tom. Um, they, they almost, they didn't sit in a traditional low block. I thought it was really impressive the way that they sat in a mid block, which is, uh, if we actually go back to the Newcastle game, that there's, a, there's a screenshot that was going around on Twitter where you can actually see the four banks of Newcastle in between the, the two pivots and the two attacking midfielders. I thought Wolves executed that to a T today. And what actually they did really well was um, Jimenez actually blocked off the pass between the center half each time. So when Phil Jones had the ball, he couldn't pass to Rafael Varane and vice versa. So I think that forced us to play to Wan-Bissaka, play to Luke Shaw. And when United go wide, they're very easy to play against because we don't like to progress the ball through the middle. So you have to say, tactically, outdone us. And credit to them, I thought they executed their game plan to perfection. Where do you stand on that? And I just want to touch on one of the Wolves players before we sort of get into sort of Ralph Rangie. But you just touch on that. We'll sort of discuss it now a little bit in terms of Solskjaer was a problem because he had no tactics. Now we bring in Ralph Rangie, who was the godfather of tactics. And you see it was sort of outclassed a little bit and sort of outthought. And Ralph Rangie didn't really change it. I know we did go to a three sort of late in the second half type thing. But after five minutes, you knew how that game was going to go. And we kept it for that, for the, the best part of an hour type thing. And I'm just thinking, Ralph should have changed it. It's something we would have been crucifying Solskjaer for. And I just don't understand. Now, he's obviously got limited tools at his disposal. If they're not his players. So he might think, I want to do this. I want to change it to this. But this player won't be able to do that role. So I want to stick to sort of the basics. I understand there's that element to him. And I, look, he knows more about the game than me. So I can't criticize him too highly. But as I said, against Newcastle or whoever, close your eyes and pretend that's only going to Solskjaer in the dugout. It's the same performance. So that's almost where it does come down to, does this fall on the players and not the manager? 
Well, Ref Rennick came out post-game and he said, he, his own words, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said the, the players look more like the side that they were before I came here. So that, that's 100% there. Um, in terms of how much of the blame do we put at Ralph Rennick, I think it's a split one. It's, it's difficult because there's obviously the COVID situation, the players aren't training as much as they'd like to and the way they'd like to. The reports suggest that they're not actually planning training in a full a full squad that they've split the squad up. So I can't imagine eleven versus eleven is being done a lot of. But what I will criticize Ralph Rennick for, Tom, is he looks like he's trying to execute a game plan, execute his his tactical influence onto the side as if he's got three years. He doesn't have three years. He's got six months. Well, five months now, and that's my issue with him. I think. I'm all for, you know, putting your blueprint on the football team. But in saying that, he's come in, he's put in a new system. He wants to play a new way. And I just think he's asking the players to do way too much in such a short period of time. Can we think back to what Solskjaer did when he took over from Jose Mourinho? Now, this isn't me saying Solskjaer should have stayed by any stretch of the imagination. He, he, he went and he was right to go. But do you remember the bounce back effect that United had when Solskjaer came in? And it was with the same squad of players. And he simplified the game plan. Almost feel like Ralph needs to do that. Maybe not simplify because we almost look like we're playing with no tactic um, idea whatsoever. But if he can just put some sort of structure within a framework, I think that would be enough. But then there's the other side, Tom. Our midfield is appalling. And that limits the way United can play. Well, we'll get into individuals in regards to the midfield and the personnel. But just in regards to that question, the points you bring up there and sort of the question there, are the players buying into Ralph? And is it, do you think the uncertainty around his position in terms of the players don't know if he's going to be the manager? Is he going to be picking the manager? The contract situation, a lot of the players. And do you think that uncertainty, they just, do we give this guy the respect that he deserves or is he going to be a, a nobody in six months' time and I'm going to have a completely different slate so it doesn't matter what I do now? Because it's a weird one because you look at that first what I'd want to see from Ralph Rangnick, you look at that first 30 minutes against Crystal Palace. If we continued that first 30 minutes against Palace in these last couple of games and we're conceding five or six goals a game, I'd be frustrated with the five or six goals we'd be conceding, but I'd be happy. I'm seeing something. I saw something different in that first 30 minutes. But then the other, I don't know how many minutes were played since then, 600 minutes or something, whatever it would be, we're not seeing anything. So I'm just thinking, well, what was the point in changing? Now, change was needed 100%, but I'm just thinking the players for a small period, for 20 minutes did implement Ralph Rangnick's style and suddenly whether this is Ralph Rangnick not getting his message across or it's on the players not implementing the message that is being delivered, I'm just thinking where do you sit on it because at the moment on the outlook, and we'll get into Luke Shaw's quotes in a sec, on the outlook the players aren't buying into what Ralph's putting on the table. And that's exactly the point I guess I'm trying to make. It's we looked excellent for 30 minutes against Crystal Palace so you would think that with more time on the training pitch, more time playing together and executing the manager's game plan, we should be looking better. So you, you have to wonder what causes players to go the opposite of what the manager wants. I'd say it's, I mean, um, we're obviously speculating here, but you'd have to imagine that it's just over tactical. It's it's mental overload. And I think, is Ralph Rennick trying to deploy too much onto these players too soon? If they're not training as much as they'd like, given, let's let's take a few factors into consideration here. We had the COVID situation for two weeks. I think the players had one training session in that time. Outside of that, we've played a game every three days. So they're not getting time on the training pitch. So is Ralph Rennick just sitting these guys down for two hours at a time, boring them with hours and hours of footage of what he wants? 
players will default to what is muscle memory when they don't get time to execute something on the training pitch. You know that better than anyone. So I, that's what it comes across as to me. That's why they're looking how they look under Solskjaer. They look tired. They don't know what they're doing. And then they resort back to what they were doing before, which was utter failure, getting poor results. Yeah, definitely. Here's Scott here from It's a Football Thing, good mate of ours, an Arsenal fan. Um, he's on It's a Football Thing in two hours' time. Make sure you go and subscribe. Your core players have let down multiple managers over the years, overhyped and underperforming, which is here what Amata put up earlier on the screen. Roy Keane called it a while ago. He wasn't wrong. A leopard don't, leopard don't change their spots type thing. And it is frustrating because we see these shiny new toys, whether it be Sancho, Varane or Ronaldo, and isolated signings. Yes, great players. Great players will make you better. But if there is no plan and direction with those signings, um, with the manager's input, I saw George here put a comment about Donny van der Beek. Donny van, van der Beek, fantastic player, but a signing which two managers don't like. So you, you shouldn't bring in a player like that. It's, it's one of those things that there is just simply no direction with these signings. But um, anything else we want to discuss before we get into Luke Shaw's quotes? Well, I mean, I, I've got a point to make after Luke Shaw's quote, so I'll, I'll leave you to it there, but... Well, yeah, I, mean, really, look, I was going to go. I was going to go individual players, and look, I talked up Scott McTominay after his performance against Burnley, and I think the caveat I made, which every time I went to praise Scott McTominay last week, was it's one game, it's against Burnley. As soon as January transfer window opens, if a club, if the club can go out and upgrade on Scott McTominay, you do that first thing Monday morning type thing. Like Scott McTominay is not the answer moving forward to win a Premier League title or a Champions League. But the six months in front of us, what we have. Okay, today he performed badly, but he's the type of player the manager can trust and get the most out of because there are players here, like Matt saying here, Rashford was terrible. There are players who, like a Marcus Rashford and players like that who don't give 100%. Facts are facts. Marcus Rashford is lazy and doesn't work hard on the football pitch. Scott McTominay, as limited as he is, does give his all. And I just think that that is another case. But um, just on individual players, and can we upgrade on Fred? Yes. Can we upgrade on McTominay? Yes. The one upgrade right here, Larry. Ruben Neves, he's a footballer, and I'm just thinking the the Wolves manager has come out and spoken about it might be a little bit tricky for them, for Wolves to keep him during the transfer window, or especially, especially in the summer. We've had debates on this podcast. Does he fit? Is he a six? Is he an eight? Is he a ten? Would he suit Man United? Yes, we can have a debate and a level-headed argument about does he suit us? Is the exact, the exact midfielder we want? He's a better footballer than what we have in there. Maybe not as good as Paul Pogba. But Paul Popper doesn't show up too many days of the year. So Ruben Neves, the quality that he would bring to this midfield, um, night and day when you see a performance like that. You and I were chatting about this before we started recording. We look at our midfield now and you'd say, my God, we miss Paul Pogba. But I think we miss Paul Pogba on the ball. I think if you look at what Paul Pogba offers off the ball, we're probably at risk of conceding another goal or two, at least a clear-cut chance because he's lazy defensively and he gets exposed. What Ruben Neves offers you is he's solid on both sides of the ball. And that's what I really like about him. But he's actually brilliant on the ball. Like you can, maybe he doesn't have the passing range of a Paul Pogba, but he's got a bloody good passing range. And the way that he can, there was one passage of play. I think it was in the second half when, um, when Traore gets brought down by Matic for the yellow card. The ball he plays in a Traore, 10-yard pass, nothing brilliant. It's around the back in a tight spot between two players. We don't have a midfielder who's capable of doing that. Bruno Fernandes is capable, but Bruno Fernandes plays further up the pitch. The problem with United at the moment is in those deeper positions, even Nemanja Matic in his peak. Matic in his peak was a destroyer. He's no Michael Carrick. He wasn't someone who was known for progressing the ball brilliantly from deep in the play to, to the feet of a striker. He was brilliant at breaking up the play defensively. 
United lacking a ball player, Ruben Neves addresses a lot of that. And like you said, at sometimes, yes, you, you need to think of who fits what style, but what United truthfully lack at the moment is pure footballers, and Ruben Neves is a footballer. Yeah, I think the, the stats that I brought up the other day, the image on the last podcast, that I was going to do a similar thing where I brought up Ronaldo and Lukaku's stats. I was going to make a point about Ruben Neves and Scott McTominay and show what a good footballer Ruben Neves is. Unfortunately, it didn't really suit my point. The stats are actually very very similar. Scott McTominay actually leading Ruben Neves in many of those stats, but the one stat you bring up there is through balls, which Scott McTominay just doesn't have that ability to find a pass in between the lines in terms of breaking that final defence, where Ruben Neves does that constantly. I think Scott McTominay's played, I think, three or four through balls this season, and Ruben Neves is sitting on around 20 through balls, like sort of completed successful passes type thing. So that would be something we definitely do need in midfield. Whether that's the case, the links just simply aren't there with Ruben Neves at the moment. But if United want to play from Wolves, um, look, there are a lot of players. And that's the end of the day. I think George put up a comment earlier saying, is it really an upset? Well, yes, it's an upset. It's Man United against Wolves at Old Trafford. But I make this point with a lot of teams we come up against now, and you do have to give credit to the opposition as much as we were woeful and deserve all the criticism we get. If we want to go into Wolves and buy a couple of players, if he's not worth this. Adama Traore, he would cost Man United 80 or 90 million pound. If we want Ruben Neves, he's going to cost 50 or 60 million pound. That potent guy on that performance, I'll be paying 80 million pound for him. Now, these players aren't worth that. But that is the, the fact of the matter. In Premier League, this era that we do live in, that's how much they're going to cost. So you do have to give them credit. They have some good footballers. So, yes, it is an upset. But unfortunately, it's getting closer and closer that these games aren't upsets and teams just are better than Man United, unfortunately. Can we be honest about something? When you look at all right, who who are who are our midfielders? Like our, our deep our deep midfielders. You got Paul Pogba. Let's let's throw him in that bracket. Nemanja Matic, Scott McTominay, Fred, Donny Van der Beek. Five players. Compare that to Liverpool's midfield. Compare that to Manchester City's midfield. Compare it to Chelsea's. Hell, compare it to Aston Villa's. Compare it to Wolves. Compare it to Tottenham's. It's not better than any of those sides. It's been That's the thing here. Uh, Scott here, you're just bringing up a point here. An Arsenal fan, like, this was in regards to the Ruben Neves and Scott McTominay point I was making. But I had a discussion with him earlier saying, you look at what the Glazers have invested and just think, what else can you ask for? But I think that's exactly what you can ask for. We needed a midfielder. And yes, it was great bringing in Sancho. It was great bringing in Cristiano Ronaldo. It's not what we needed. Okay, maybe we needed a right winger, but we didn't need a right winger for £80 million. We could have done it with a £50 million midfielder and a £40 million player on the right wing. I'm just thinking there is no football direction when we're signing these players. We're saying, okay, he's a good player, let's go get him. And if you do look how unbalanced the side is, we've got 10 defenders, 10 strikers, and as you say, we're having a debate, is Scott McTominay or Freddie our best midfielder? Because they're the only two there. We can't rely on Nemanja Matic just from a fitness point of view. You can't rely on Donny van der Beek because the coaches simply don't rely on him. Paul Pogba's future's up in the air because the stupid contract they've put him on, um, he can run that down. So that affects on-pitch on performances. So it comes down to a whole host of issues. But um, nightmare, Larry. Um, I'll just bring up the quotes from Luke Shaw before we get into 3 2 ones because 3 2 ones will be interesting viewing, as always, after a defeat like that. But this is worrying. We just discussed sort of Ralph Rangnick and the impact he's had and other players buying into him or not. But just want your thoughts on these quotes. Um, you speak to Sky Sports after the game. I didn't feel when I was on the pitch that we were all together. On the other look and the way he did say But it's the way he said it as well. If you do watch the clip of him actually saying it, there was a body language issue to the way he said that and it was a conceding of there is a problem. And I'm not going to sit here, and I'm definitely not saying here, I think the lazy comparison, everyone will go, oh, it's because Ronaldo arrived. This had nothing to do with Ronaldo. If, if people can't match up to the standards Ronaldo is setting, they shouldn't be at Man United. He's setting the standard. 
because that's what he does. Players need to reach Ronaldo's level of standard. Now you can argue about Ronaldo's performance. Could that be better? Yeah, that might be able to be sort of, that could be improved upon, but not his mentality. Um, the mentality of other players is concerning. And I do look to big personalities, whether that be Harry Maguire or case in point for me, Marcus Rashford, who came on the pitch after being dropped. What did what did dropping him do? He came on and did the same thing, just walking around, didn't give a toss in the world. As was mentioned before, he's very much like, we've made this point before, and it's not a, I don't want to sound like a dig at him. He's Dan James with an ego. Dan James gets through work. He's not a good footballer, but he gets through work and he puts heart and soul into it. Marcus Rashford has this big PR team behind him where it looks like he gives a, do- gives a damn about the club, but when he's on the pitch, he simply doesn't. He walks around and does nothing. Look, I'm not going to go as far as to say he doesn't, he doesn't care, but what, what I will... Start running around if you care. I, I, I agree with you, but yeah, what I will say is today's performance was the most concerning I've ever seen from Marcus Rashford in a Manchester United shirt. There was truthfully a lack of desire in what he was doing today. His body language was really poor, Rashford. He, it wasn't one of frustration. It was one of just, yeah, just a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of care, a lack of professionalism. And, and it's weird because you, you, you could make excuses for him last season. I think there was, obviously, he was carrying himself injured. Despite being injured, a, a great return, mind you, but struggled in, in certain big games. This season, what excuse does he have behind him? He's coming off a four-month rest. He, he came in, he scored a few goals early, but he's struggling badly. And, and his effort levels are, are appalling. And then, again, I, I hate to bring up the Martial thing, but they're easy to pigeonhole together, probably because they came through around the same time at United. But for the things that Martial's been slated for, I, I would definitely come on here and I will tell you Martial puts in more effort on a pitch than Marcus Rashford does. 100%. That's not up for debate. Not up for, not up for debate. Now, anyone who is willing to debate that is watching a different game. Unfortunately, Mark, um, Anthony Martial does get through a lot more work. One, the stats bring that up in terms of the, the distance covered, but also just in terms of concentrate, concentration levels is part of working hard. And Rashford just is off with the fairies. And look, I, I, I hate criticising Marcus Rashford because I love the bloke. Just look what he's doing. But facts are facts on the football pitch. He is simply lazy. And we label Luke Shaw lazy. Well, Anthony Martial has been labelled that Paul Pogba. You do have to ask that about Marcus Rashford. Um, he's got all the talent in the world when he's on the ball. He's got the ability. It wouldn't shock you if he got the ball out of his feet and put it in the top corner from 35 yards. He has that in him. But what the minimum someone needs in them is the ability to work hard for the team. And he just doesn't do that. But um, before we get into the 3-2-1s, there was one more point I was going to bring up on uh, Mason Greenwood. I thought he actually performed quite well. And Edison Cavani... Come, so, so Edison Cavani was... Well, I love Cavani. I thought it was one of Cavani's worst performances in a United shirt. And I wouldn't say he wasn't working hard, but something you can always rely upon Cavani is work rate and getting around the pitch. He simply wasn't doing that. And he was the one to stay on. And Mason Greenwood came out, which sort of did sort of string a few boos from the stretch for them. And I'm just thinking, I don't want to go back into the Ralph Rangnick debate. We've sort of had that. And it's, again, not over the top criticism of Ralph Rangnick. That's a shocking decision to, to take Mason Greenwood off when you need a goal um, in the form that he was in. And obviously to bring Marcus Rashford on um, a little bit later. I'm baffled at sort of the game management was something which we, we would have been crucifying Solskjaer for if you made those decisions. He does it game after game. Mason Greenwood's the first player subbed. Now, I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know if that's a fitness concern or <clears throat> whatever it might be. But I have to admit that there has to be something in the Renyuk, as brave as he comes out and speaks, you have to you have to look at his actions and say that he does appear to be succumbing to some of the egos in some yeah. respect 
I mean, Bruno, like he's been dropping Bruno Fernandez. Like, I'm sorry, but Bruno comes on twice now and he's been our best player when he comes on. Now, Bruno Fernandez is frustrating, absolutely, but he comes on and we look instantly better. So why are you dropping players that shouldn't be dropped? Despite, yes, you could argue Bruno's been poor. I wouldn't say it's warranted dropping. I'd say you just need to deploy him in a way that actually gets the best out of him. But then you look at the likes of Marcus Rashford, who gets opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, and he's poor every week, and he's going to be poor next week, and he's still going to play. And this is where I'm split on the, like, I don't think Donny van der Beek's been good enough for United. I don't think he's taken his opportunities. But when you do see the likes of Marcus Rashford constantly getting chosen, Harry Maguire constantly getting chosen, then you do have to wonder why other players don't aren't afforded the same opportunities. Well, we go back to, and this is not a Ralph Ray, sort of Ralph bashing Strongly episode. Strongly disagree with uh, Adam's comment there, by the way. Gr- Greenwood and Ronaldo would not work together as two nines. Oh, but I think separately, I think that's what he means in terms of they're our number nine options type thing. Yeah, um, you, could, you couldn't play them in a two. I think what, what, yeah. what we're seeing with Ronaldo and Cavani, Cavani is being the hold-up guy. He's the one playing back-to-goal. As brilliant as Ronaldo is, he's not a back-to-goal striker. He's simply not that. And I think if you play Mason and Ronaldo together, they're, they're just simply who's going to be your hold-up guy. You're basically mm-hmm. just going to be a counter-attack in behind sort of team. And I, don't I think, think that the works. way you spoke there about Ralph Rangie, and we're going to get into three-two-ones after this, this bit, is the questions we had about Ralph Rangie saying, "Okay, he's got all the tactics. He speaks a good game. He's managed Schalke. He's managed Red Bull Leipzig, Salzburg, teams like that. He's technical director at Lokomotiv Moscow. He's never been Manchester United manager. And you can have the football, all the football brains in your arsenal as you want. Fo- manager, manager of Manchester United is a different kettle of fish. You need more than being able to understand the game or communicate with players. You need everything. They're complete. There's different. And look, it's been a hard sort of story. He's been dealt in terms of he's had sort of limited time on the training ground, and sort of COVID has it sort of heavily impacted him. So 100, percent and there's been challenges which just out of his control. But that was my concerns. Okay, he talks a big game, and I do like him. I, I love the guy. Manchester United is a different kettle of fish. He's never managed at a club like this, which is why we always talk about. Who is the next manager? Who is the ideal manager? Let's bring in the Ajax manager. We're going to lose to Wolves. We're going to say, wouldn't it, why are we bringing a guy from Ajax who hasn't done it at the highest level? That's a debate we're always going to be having. Let's get someone who's done it at the highest level, Louis van Gaal or Jose Mourinho. It's not going to work under this ownership and this management or the board type thing. It's a never-ending debate, which I'm sure we'll be having in years' time until the Glazers do decide to sort of move on, but we will move on to three, two, ones. There are a lot of comments in the chat, which we do truly appreciate. Apologies for not getting to them all, but when there are a few, it's hard to sort of go through them all. We do want to keep the conversation flowing, but if you are enjoying it, um, please do leave a like on the video. That would be great, but make sure you get your three, two, ones in the comments and we'll throw all those up on the screen. But Larry, three, two, ones. Um, for me, I'm, I'm out there. It's Phil Jones for me, given the context as well of the situation of him being out for two years. But um, he would be, I understand his, it was a 6 out of 10 performance. Okay, that's not good. It wasn't 8 or 9 out of 10. Considering the, the other players on the field, I think he was arguably our best. Well, I'd personally be going for Varane um, just because I thought he held the pack four as much as he possibly could. Um, and I felt like what we've always said about Phil Jones is, and I maintain this point in terms of his career, like injuries have crueled the guy. But it, it's not his ability. Like, I know he makes us laugh with some of the faces he's pulled, some of the clangers he's had in him over his time at United. But if you actually had, if Rio Ferdinand was five years younger and Phil Jones got the opportunity to play with Rio Ferdinand for five years, I'm telling you, you would have seen a different player. He's just a sort of the sort of guy who, you know, the way we say 
Paul Scholes mentioned that about Paul Pogba. He needs someone in his ear the whole game. Needs someone to tell him where to be, tell him what to do. Phil Jones is a defender in the exact same mold. If you tell him where to be and what to do, he'll execute perfectly because he's got the ability. But then injuries have obviously cruelled him. I think being next to Varane, who was actually able to command that offense, actually held it together. And actually, if you're going to look at that offense, I, I didn't feel like our defense was actually poor. Yeah. I, didn't, I thought we actually defended court, quite well. Yeah, the defense was good. Um, actually, if you're looking at what they did off the ball, you can talk Defend, about Defending-wise, it was good. Going forward, it's yeah, spot on. And I think Phil Jones doesn't have the performance he does if Varane isn't next to him, so I'm actually going to lean towards the Frenchman. Well, we'll go through some comments here. It might give us a little bit more clarity because I'm, I'm fixed on Jones, but we'll see Jones and Varane if they do pop up here. Mad saying Jones, De Gea and Greenwood. George going De Gea, Jones, Varane. Adam going De Gea, Jones and Varane. Trev, Jones, De Gea, and Nemanja Matic. Matic is a weird one. Um, obviously got involved in terms of playing that third central defender. Matt saying Jones, Greenwood, Verano. Look, I did think Greenwood was good. I thought Mason Greenwood was unlucky to be subbed. But um, Varane, Jones, and De Gea for Vin. And um, Elliot saying, if I take sentiment, sentiment away, De Gea, Varane, and Jones. And look, I completely agree. Part of my argument for Phil Jones is the context that he's been out for two years, the abuse that he has copped. It was good to see him back out on the pitch. And we talked about whether it be a Wayne Rooney or a Harry Maguire, how does someone come back after two weeks out not being match fit? Like, do they need a couple of weeks to sort of get up to scratch type thing? Well, Phil Jones has had two years to come sort of back in. I know he's played a few 23 games type thing, but it's his first game back. And um, look, I would be leaning in. The, a lot of the comments there are sort of leaning more towards um, Phil Jones than Varane. So would you be happy to concede that and give Sir Philip of Jones his points? I concede. What about De Gea? Because De Gea, okay, a losing game again. Why are you giving goalkeeper points? He saved a couple. He obviously saved the one from Ruben Neves, which Ruben Neves put a volley into the top corner. Great save. Ultimately, again, you do have to consider him. A lot of people have put him as their three points. Um, I think it is amongst that trio: Jones, De Gea, and Varane. But for me as well, while they weren't didn't turn out to be match-winning saves, I do think De Gea did stand up again. He 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 was okay. I didn't think he didn't do anything brilliant, but th this is the issue. De Gea gets it by default because everyone else was so poor. Yeah, but frustrating. That, that, that's the case that, that he's, there, he's having to save people. Now, yes, Roy Keane's sitting here saying that's his job. He should be saving. But the fact is he does have to. If that's Dean Henderson in goals, there's a good chance it's two or three nil. And that's not a criticism of Dean Henderson. Just the fact that when you have a good goalkeeper, they are going to save you in situations like that. So, um, look, I, I think the comments are pretty much sort of unanimous around a lot of people did give Jones. But then, look, I, I want to give Mason Greenwood points as well, but then Ralph Rangie took him off. That ball it's, he played for Sancho was breathtaking. Hmm. It's how, look, I, I, I'm going to pull rank here and go Jones to Hayer again. I'll, I'll give you the um, courtesy of the one point, whether you want to go Rafael Varane or Mason Greenwood. I'll go Varane because my argument wouldn't be really consistent if I said otherwise. But, um, look, Greenwood... Greenwood played really well. Um, I feel I feel sorry for Mason. Well, I, I think um, it brought it up earlier in the um, discussion, Adam. I don't know where, where the comment is. Sorry, Adam, but you brought a point up, which has happened before, whether it be for Man United or it happens a lot of the times with um, you look at Paul's goals with England. Managers often take the easy target, and Mason Greenwood is an easy substitution to make in terms of if you're unable to, if you are struggling with personalities in the dressing room as a manager, who would you rather take off, a Cavani, a Ronaldo, or a Mason Greenwood? And the simple answer is you're going to take Mason Greenwood off because it won't ruffle any feathers. I'm just saying that is also the case where Ralph Rangie is sitting here saying, who do I put in? Do I put in Jesse Lingard or Donny van der Beek who might be able to create something? 
or do I put the big boy Marcus Rashford on the pitch to keep him happy and keep the sponsors happy? And he's ultimately caved and put Marcus Rashford on the pitch. So I just think that is where Ralph Rangie would be huge criticism. And it's it's hard because Solskjaer has felt fallen victim to that. Jose Mourinho has fallen victim to that. Louis van Gaal has struggled with that. So some of the best managers in the world find themselves in the same position. So I don't want to criticise Ralph too much. But he has to find a way to deal with that because at the moment that's not working. He needs to pick players who are performing. Let me ask you this, Tom. I mean, on Ralph Rangnick, you make a valid point. And look, the, the truth is, like, while I lean towards this is more on the players than the manager, Rangnick's, like you said, he's not proven. He hasn't proven it at the highest level in, in world football. So have United almost shot themselves in the foot here? Because what we're hearing is he's got a two, he's, he's, he's just sticking around. If I don't think that consultancy... I wouldn't be shocked. Even he doesn't know what it is. So unless he wins something and wants to stick around himself and sort of nominates himself as the next Manchester United manager, I think this consultancy will be, yeah, Ralph, you're still in touch with the club. You can come over for tea and biscuits whenever you want. But I don't see anything in that. I think that's good PR by the Glazers saying that he's got a consultancy role. That's exactly what the fans want. They want someone giving football opinions, football directions. So let's let's say he's going to give that to the to the public. Whether that's the case or not, the evidence will suggest that's not going to be the case. So, who's as it stands today? Who, who's your next manager of Manchester United? <sighs> you can't pick it um, at the moment. Look, I do like the Ajax manager. What's happening there, and I do see similarities between the clubs, which sort of you'd hope for an easy transition. Ultimately, that's no easy transition. Ajax to Man United, of course. I do like Pochettino. I understand the concerns with Pochettino, but when you do look what's out there. It'll be a toss-up between Pochettino and Ten Hag. But then here we are, if Ralph Rangnick goes and wins an FA Cup or we do a Chelsea and have a woeful league campaign and somehow fluke the Champions League, we're having a very different discussion type thing. So I'm just thinking, I'm not saying we're winning the Champions League, Larry, but you know what I mean. If Tuchel finishes third, I'm telling you, I do not rule him T- out. Tuchel, Tuchel is the one. I have a feeling he's an outside chance. That That is something people are sleeping on because he's going to get sacked from Chelsea. Face the fact that will happen, whether that's deserved or sort of wrongly, wrongfully deserved, that he will get the sack. Um, Ralph Rangnick obviously has a relationship with Tuchel, um, the German manager, Premier League experience, a winner type thing. I, I think that is something people need to consider. Um, definitely, you bring up that point there. Difficult one. Well, that's definitely a discussion we'll be having many times in the future. And look, we've got Aston Villa up next. I think our next two games are actually Aston Villa. Is it a rule for Man United? Whoever we get in the FA Cup, we have to play the week after in the Premier League. Whoever we get in the FA Cup, we always play in the week after. It simply must be a rule, whoever we draw. Uh, they must That's what happened of... with Wolves. Oh, every wolves second. Whoever we get, whoever we get next week, we have got him in the league type thing. But Did I think one is at Villa Park. I'm telling you, it happens every every season. It happens every round of the FA Cup. I'm telling you. But um, I think one's at Villa Park. One one is at Old Trafford. But um, fingers <laughs> crossed, we can go on a bit of a cup run and be a cup team. I know Roy Keane's got a lot of criticism. He said Ronaldo's come back to be, help Man United win the FA Cup type thing, not the Premier League or the Champions League. But um, pretty much goes close to wrapping up. Again, appreciate everyone in the comments and all the interaction. Apologies for not getting to all the comments, but we do appreciate them all. And um, actually, Matt here saying heard a rumor of sporting. I think one or two sort of reliable outlets are sort of putting a little bit of um, weight behind that motion. I'm not sure who the manager is, but um, I have heard that point a few times. But um, obviously, another debate for another day. But um, if you haven't liked the video, please do leave a like on the video. That would be great. And if you are new, um, if you could subscribe, that would be great because we'll be back. Obviously, no football for a week now, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of discussion points. I'm sure we'll be linked with someone in January. What well, is January now? Apparently, we're going to sign this Julian Alvarez from River Plate. 
I highly yeah. doubt that, Larry. I highly doubt that. You can see him going somewhere in Spain or Italy type thing, and they're just it's the agent using United to he's sort of speed up a deal elsewhere. Five. He's five foot five as a striker. He'd get monstered. Yeah, it's just one of those ones you can tell. This happened. Who was the player last year? Came from South America, ended up going to Brighton. Remember, we wanted a defensive midfielder, and someone was linked from. It's exactly the same noise. He's going to come over, fix United's defensive midfield. Casido, I think he went from somewhere in Ecuador to um, Brighton. Exactly the same story. Exactly the same story. He'll go somewhere mid-table, somewhere in Spain, really, or even England. But um, look, another debate for another day. Make sure you are subscribed so you can keep on track of when we do go live. That would be great. And until then, Larry, um, chat to you when I chat to you. Pleasure. Cheers, mate.